0: Hey, this is Abby Sacek. Welcome to the New Culture Church podcast. Our vision is to create the culture of Christ in Madison, one person, one place at a time. We believe this happens through being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus and doing what he did. And we hope that the teachings and the content you find here will help you do just that. Please reach out to us through our website. We would love to connect with you. We hope you enjoy this podcast. On the first like warm Sunday, I just want to be like, wow, thank you guys for still showing up to church on the warmest day that we've had when it could be so easy to just be outside. But hopefully you got outside today because it is beautiful, but good to be back with you all. I just realized this is my first time preaching since I was gone for a couple weeks. So we'll try to keep it short. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Some of you missed me. That's good to know. That's good to know. (laughs) No, these weeks are always, I'm like, Abby, don't make your messages like 20 pages long, even though you got a lot to say, it's built up, but we'll try to, you know, uh, you guys can just mute my mic if I go too long. Okay, just, just cut me off. <laughs> but I am excited to be back. We are still in our Deeply Formed Life series. Um, and we were going to cut it short, and then I was like, you know, I think we still got a few more that we ought to talk about. And so today we are talking about Deeply Formed Imago Day. Deeply formed, Imago Dei, which means image of God. Image of God. So we are all uniquely formed, and together we represent the Imago Dei. We need each other, and this takes work. That is our so what today. That we need each other to represent the image of God, but this takes work. Now I want you guys to take a minute and just look around this room. It's a little awkward, just look around the room at the people around. (laughs) We all are different, right? We have different hair, we have different eyes, we have different color skin, we have different ears. One side of my family, my cousins that are blood relatives to me, they're all Vietnamese, so we look nothing alike, but we always joke, and it's real. The only thing we have in common physically is that our earlobes look the same. We have the same earlobes, but everything else about us looks completely different, and when we stand in family pictures, people are like, who are those people? We look nothing like them, but we call them the Sachuk earlobes. We all got those strong genetics there. But there is something unique about each and every one of us, the way that we were formed. And we were made in the image of God. As unique and as different as sometimes you may even feel in the way that you were made, you represent the image of God. We need each other to be the Imago Dei, but this takes work for us to live together in unity and harmony and peace. And so the now what for today is that we need to continue to reflect. We need to continue to walk in repentance towards one another and work towards reconciliation and being people that continue to reconcile and change, not only as the church, but also all people reconcile them into relationship with God. As we get ready for Easter, another holiday together, which I'm always so excited about. And I hope you all, if you're in town, will be here. We always do a potluck meal. And we've stopped saying things like, oh, bring, you know, your traditional Easter dish. Because if I say bring a traditional Easter dish, we, that means a million different things to a million different people. When I first got to college, I realized this, where I was so excited for Easter with my friends as a freshman. I wasn't able to go home, and I said, well, who wants to make the lamb cake? And they all looked at me like some of you are looking at me now, and they're like, what in the world is a lamb cake? And I don't even know where we got this, but growing up, um, and all my family's, like, on my mom's side is from the south side of Chicago, and for some reason, they made cakes in the shape of a lamb. So it's not actually, like, lamb meat, you know? Like, some people are, like, a meatloaf, but it's lamb That would be a little interesting. Um, But it is a cake in the shape of a lamb. And it's like kind of like I feel like I was officially a woman when my grandmother gave me a lamb cake pan. It's like, here we go. We're ready for Easter. And so for me, when I think of like tradition and I think of holidays and I think of Easter, like I think of lamb cakes. But all of us, based on the culture we grew up in, the families we come from, we think of different things when we think of tradition, when we think of holidays. And so we're going to read today in Colossians chapter 3, and this is going to kind of be our anchoring text for the day and, and Paul is addressing a lot of different things here, but there's some references that he gives to the image of God and us bearing image, the image of God that I think are really important for us as a church as we continue to say, how do we become people that are deeply formed into who Jesus is? And so I'm going to start here, and I'm reading out of the NIV, and it's Colossians 3, verse 1. It says, Since then... Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it with all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray again today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word that is alive and active. God, we thank you that even though this was written long ago to people that are different from those of us sitting in this room, that you still have ways that you are speaking to us. And so we just ask that your Holy Spirit will make this text come to life God, and would we truly walk away from this space closer to your heart, closer to saying yes to that invitation to bear your image together as the body of Christ. So we love you, Lord. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Amen. So I want to explain a little bit today of what's happening in this passage. So after Paul becomes a Christian and starts believing in Jesus Christ, he then has this call to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And this we read about in Acts chapter 9 when he first kind of says yes to this call. And so this was a pretty big deal being as Paul was someone that was recently persecuting Christians and now he's going to preach the gospel. And so what's happening here in Colossians, and we read about this as he's planting the churches all throughout Acts. So in the book of Acts is when you're kind of reading about the churches that Paul is planting. And then we're reading some of the letters that he's now writing to these churches And it says a few Jews at the time, so a few Jewish people believed the message about Jesus, but in in Colossians right here, the church that we're reading about, it was mostly Greeks and Romans who were listening and trusting in Jesus to pay the price for their sins, to be their savior, all that good stuff. So Paul is telling the Colossian Christians that as members of this new humanity, that no part of their human existence remains untouched by the loving and the liberating rule of Jesus. So he's saying the suffering, the temptation, the moral character, all your family dynamics, that every part of who you are must be reexamined and transformed in the light of the work of the gospel of Jesus. So he's now saying, you are now, one in Christ Jesus. You are now a part of the body of Christ, this new multi-ethnic family. But as you begin to think about that and say that, it's easier said than done. You see, we are a part of a new family, but we still come from our earthly families. So we are still in the human flesh that we were born into that represents something. And yes, we represent the image of God, but also a race, a nation, an ethnicity, a culture, We are not all the same, and God made us unique in this way. So then what does this mean for us to be the Imago Dei? What does it look like for us to come together and to be one that represents who God is? Now, I recognize whenever we talk about these things, we can all receive it a different way based on our culture, our race, our ethnicity. But when we get to it, we recognize that God so loved the world that he gave his son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The gospel at the core of what it is is that God so loved that he gave. And there's an invitation for all of us to come and to say yes to that, but in that recognizing that we need each other to then represent the image of God to the world. And so Imago day, I have a definition that is kind of lengthy, so I think I made a slide for it. That means the image of God. And it's defined as this metaphysical expression associated uniquely to humans, which signifies the symbolic connection between God and humanity. The phrase has its origins in Genesis 127, where it says, God created man in his own image. The biblical passage does not imply that God is human form, but that humans are in the image of God in their moral, spiritual, and intellectual essence. Thus, humans reflect God's divine nature in their ability to achieve the unique characteristics with which they have been endowed. So Adam and Eve did not resemble necessarily God's physical body because in John 4, 24, one of the places that we read like God is spirit, but we do represent the image of God. We're created for relationship with God. We're created to reflect God's holiness and God's righteousness, to represent God's love to the world, to reconcile all people. We represent God. We bear his image. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we bear his image, yet all of us are going to bear it a little bit different in the bodies that we're born into, in the stories that we enter into. One of my favorite places in the world to go is the Church of Annunciation in Israel. And this, in this place, at one point in history, they asked almost every country, nation that they could get a hold of, and they said, will you send us a painting, an image of Jesus? Now, guess what? When you walk around the church and you walk around the outer gates and you see these beautiful, gorgeous paintings of Jesus, none of them look the same. None of them look the same. The Irish Jesus, bright red hair right? Jesus looks different. And what's interesting about that is people see God in themselves and that the bodies that we are born into shape the way and impact the way that we see God. Now, the reality is we know that Jesus was Jewish, and so Jesus would have had dark skin and dark hair. And so most of them are probably incorrect to what he would have looked like, but that's beyond the point. It's that it's representing the different cultures, the different ethnicities, the different nations, and how they view God and see God in themselves, So Paul, it's interesting in this text, and there's some stuff I want to wrestle with together. Paul is saying there's no Jew nor Greek, but we're one. So he's not saying that we ignore the bodies that we were born into or the impacts that they have or the things that that come with that. God made us. He formed us. But rather, we submit all of who we are to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And our new identity, our first identity, our ultimate identity that we live out of is the identity that we have found in Christ Jesus. And then we represent it in the unique ways that he's given us. But here's the thing. This Amago Day does not just happen. It doesn't just happen that all of a sudden we together come together in unity and represent the image of God. This takes work. And this takes all of us coming together. So to just kind of help us as we work through some of the text today, um, Rich Viotis, in his book, The Deeply Formed Life, where some of this is taken from, he gives some really great definitions that I want to talk through when it comes to ethnicity, culture, nationality, and race. So ethnicity is a biblical word. It's Hebrew, goi, or am. Greek, it's ethnos. And this is something that is created by God. And we have some of these that should be on the screen. And so this is something that is created by God. And we see in scripture that the different people would move together through space and through time. The next definition that we have is talking about culture. When we talk about culture, and this isn't our name, so we talk about this a lot at New Culture, but it's patterns, customs, things that have been passed down, beliefs, rituals, your worldviews, things like that. When it comes to nationality, this indicates the sovereign nation or a state where an individual is a legal citizen. It is a geopolitical category determined by the legal structures of the state. And so these can be all defined in many ways, but this is kind of the lens that we're going to be talking about them today. And then finally, race. It is about power in political terms, dominion. As a political construct, race was created by humans to determine who can exercise power within a governing structure and to guide decisions regarding how to allocate resources. So this is the interesting thing is we don't see a lot about this in the Bible, but we know that in our culture today and our patterns and our norms that race plays a huge role in how people have been treated and how maybe you have been treated. This plays a huge role. So what does this all then have to do with formation and the deeply formed life? Well, it's to show us that we have all been formed by our cultures. We have been formed by our race, our ethnicity. It impacts how we live and how we follow Jesus. We have been formed by the nation that we live in. No matter how long that you've been here in the United States, it's formed you in some type of way. We have been formed by the people around us, the communities that we choose to be a part of. The place we were born in, the bodies that we live in, they form us. And it's not all good or bad, but as followers of Jesus, it's important for us to be aware of the roles that they do play. I'm going to be really real here for a minute. A couple weeks ago when I was in Thailand, and I was on my trip doing missions work and teaching overseas I had one of the Sunday mornings where I wasn't speaking at the church, but I worshiped in a church in Thailand with about 20 people. Now, this church was new, and they just got started in November. But the passion that they had for Jesus was so evident. And here's what I started to recognize. Is in many nations, cultural Christianity is not an option. Now, what do I mean by this? In the United States, in the nation that we all live in right now, the culture says that we can follow Christianity without actually following Christ. We can go to church. We can even give our tithes and offering, maybe above and beyond. Yet our daily lives, the way we live, the way we talk, the way we love, can look nothing like Jesus, can be totally not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, us going to church, it may cost us something, like maybe a little bit of time, but it doesn't have to cost us everything. Because for many of us, we can just follow the cultural norms of Christianity without following Christ. And we can get away with things that many Christians around the world cannot You see, Paul in Colossians is saying that when you choose to follow Jesus, you die. You no longer live the way you were. Your life is now hidden with Christ and God. The old is gone. The new has come. And we put to death all other desires. This is Christianity. It's not half in, but it's all in. Yet how often do we try to play the games of Christianity? Thinking that we can just follow the patterns without actually following Jesus. But my friends, today, that type of life just will not work. And we have to decide, do we want to be perceived as people that are following Jesus and be perceived as a Christian, or do we actually want to go all in and follow Jesus and lay it all down? And when I share that with you, I also share that it's worth it when we do it. It's worth it when we lay it all down for Jesus. You see, that passion that I recognized in that Thai church was because Buddhism is the leading religion there. And now you cannot just choose to stop being Buddhist and following Jesus without completely changing the way that you live your life. Following Jesus isn't possible to do just culturally when everything there is is centered around Buddha and Buddhism. So they recognize the evils and the powers of darkness that we in our American Western culture can just kind of ignore and set aside because we find ways to just fulfill every desire and to meet our every need going around Jesus rather than relying on Jesus. But Paul is calling us to actively put one thing off and put another on. He's saying to completely transform, to reconcile, to change. I may have shared this last week when I was sharing testimonies from my trip, but one of the things that was so powerful is one of the nights that I was giving a message to the youth and I talked about how as a young person, even though you might not feel like it, but you can change the trajectory of your family's legacy, their history for generations. And so I gave this encouragement to them to pray for their parents. And just the next week, one of the young men brought his dad to church who was Buddhist and he gave his life to Christ and is now following Jesus. This is a big deal. Because you can't just change one thing when you're completely changing who's Lord of your life. You have to change everything. Paul is calling us to change everything. And so, three things that I want us to walk through, and how do we do this? The first is this we need to continue, and this is a continual process to reflect who am I? Who do I represent? It says in Colossians 3:3 3, 3, for you died and your life is not hidden it is now hidden with Christ in God. We have to continue as we are people formed into the likeness of Jesus to discover our own cultural context. To think about when I practice spiritual disciplines, when I read my Bible, when I pray, when I come to church, what do I bring into that? Through what lens am I doing this? Sometimes it's not just am I reading scripture, but how am I reading scripture? So we already talked about using words throughout this of race and ethnicity and thinking about what are the cultural assumptions when I'm opening my Bible and I'm reading the text, what cultural assumptions do I bring to it that impact how I understand it? When I read the Bible, what lens am I reading it through? Now, this is a great point to why it's so important for us to continue to read Scripture and to pray with people that are different from us, that come from different backgrounds, races, ethnicities, so that we can continue to to not just see God and read Scripture through our own lens, but the Imago Dei, the body of Christ. In the book, The Color Courageous Disciple, uh, the author lists a few different lenses, and one of them that I wanted to share that I think is kind of applicable for all of us that live in the United States is that when we're living in America, we may read the Bible. um, And some of this stuff you maybe have never thought about, but one of the lenses that we can read it through is the lens of individualism. So we tend to read you when we read Scripture as singular rather than plural, as most of the time, that's how the author intended it. When Paul is writing this letter to the church in Colossians, he's not writing it to just one person, but the entire church. It was plural, So this goes, um, some of this could come into play, though, in the culture and the ethnicity that you grew up in. If you grew up in a context where family was celebrated, then maybe you do read it as plural, and maybe you read it as a family unit but if you were primarily raised in a westernized American culture where everything is about following your dreams and making a name for yourself and success and, and, and winning and succeeding and all those things, you may read it through the lens, lens of individualism, that if you, that it's all about you succeeding, you having power, you making it to the top. Our cultural context where family is celebrated, this not, might not be the case. You see, where we come from impacts how we read scripture. But in the biblical context, it really was more communal. We read about things in Joshua 7 where it says Achan's entire family was punished because of his sin. Now, Can you imagine if one person in this room did something terrible and we all had to go pay the price for it? But the Bible was written communal in that type of way where it wasn't just like one person and everything relied on them, but it was a family, it was communal. We have to understand the biblical cultural context of what was happening. There was a shared sense of repentance in the Bible and responsibility. There was this shared way of living. The Bible teaches us this communal way to live. Another thing that we, we need to move towards and continue to walk towards if we want to be the Imago day. Is walk towards repentance and continue to ask the question to as I reflect on who I am and on who I represent, on the culture I represent, what is my response? It says in Colossians 3 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to earthly nature. You see, when we become aware of sin in our life, this is for all of us here in this room, when we become aware of sin, We have to acknowledge the things, the greed, the lust, the evil desires, and sometimes we have to acknowledge that those are the things that lead us to treating people so differently. I love Jesus and his encounter that he has with Zacchaeus, who is a tax collector. It started from a place of relationship. It started from a place of relationship, and relationship with people changes things. Relationship with Jesus changes everything, but then, It ended in repentance from Zacchaeus and him going back and repaying everything that he had stolen. There was a response that took place here as a result of that encounter with Jesus and the relationship. Here's the thing. Paul's talking about some of these things here, like evil desires. Evil desires is what leads to the sin of racism and power and control. So before we can reconcile, we need to repent and take off the things that once formed us and our old identity. To follow the way of Jesus is to continue to pursue repentance. And that starts with relationship, but in relationship with Jesus, but it should always lead us to repentance and to living differently and changing the way that we live. To represent Jesus well, the Imago Dei, we need to work together. And this takes work. It's not just a one and done repentance type of thing. I want you to think about for a second the book of Acts, how we read of the early church starting. We read about them going and making disciples of every nation. So that means all people, right? But then we read the epistles, the letters to the churches that they all started. And it's all of them fighting, not getting along. There's issues of greed, of lust, of racism, of everything in between. So it's not a matter when we talk about being the Imago Day. that means we are a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. We're not the same race, we're not the same gender, we're not the same age, and that is messy. But when we come together in peace, we represent the image of God. So it's not a matter of if, but when we're going to offend each other in this room. It's not a matter of if, but when we are going to be the ones that are offended by each other because we're different and we represent different things. So we have to choose to continue to forgive and to put to death the evil desires and to put on the image of God. Forgive and to see the Imago Dei as a way that we represent the love of God to all people. And this takes work, but it's worth it. And the final thing is this idea of what does it look like for us to reconcile? How can we actively pursue this? It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This word reconcile in, in Greek means to completely change. So you're going from, from hostility to like all the way the extreme. You're completely changing to a place of love. You're reconciling. In Ephesians 2.6, it talks about this again. It says he might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the hostility. We need Jesus to do this. Bottom line, we need Jesus to do this. But this word let again is an active thing. The Imago day of us coming together and in all our uniqueness and all our differences, representing the body of Christ doesn't just happen, it takes work. It says "Let," that is an active thing to do. Let the peace of Christ rule. We are called to peace, Shalom, which is wholeness, completeness. But here's the thing: we are called to peace for all people, not just you or people that look like you. Peace is a maker, marker of a Mago day. Peace is what God longs for for His people. And so as image bearers of God, we need to seek peace and let peace rule for all people. Revelation 7, 9 says, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all the tribes and all people and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is a glimpse into what heaven is going to be like. A great number from every nation nation. A glimpse of what's going to happen when Jesus restores all things. And Elena, you can get ready to come as we start to close. You see, I believe that for us to be a Mago day that this is a cross-cultural multi-ethnic church, and God knew what he was doing when he created every tribe and every tongue and every nation to bear his image. And we're going to continue to bear his image in heaven. This is a picture of heaven, but this requires that we love like Jesus. It reveals a taste of heaven, but it requires that we follow Paul's instructions to put off all that. And now we clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Paul says here in Colossians, bear with each other, forgive each other, Put on love, let peace rule. So if we know that this is what the church should look like, then why is it that when we we think of the church in America that they talk about it, and we definitely don't fall into this because we meet at 4.30, but they say 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings is the most segregated hour in America because we don't know how to be together we don't know how to overcome some of our differences. And so we, we get stuck in what we know and what's comfortable, but what does it look like to lean into being the amago Dei? It takes work and we need each other to do it. We don't do it because it's easier if we just stay sometimes with people that look like us. We don't want to, to get into our differences because it's messy and messy takes work. But Jesus demonstrates something so beautiful in John chapter four, in the story of him meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. Now it's a famous story of Jesus encountering this woman. And if I did go into that, we'd definitely be here for another hour, so I won't. But in John four, in the beginning, it says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard what he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So that's kind of funny because he's like, wasn't what was happening, but there's rumors going on. So it says in verse three, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Verse four says, now he had to go through Samaria. Now Jesus went through Samaria. Now Samaritans were a mixed blood. They were an oppressed people and most Jewish people at that time, which Jesus was Jewish, would have avoided them. But not only did Jesus go through Samaria, but he brought his disciples with him. He led his disciples through a place to a people that most people would have avoided because of who they were and what they represented. He did not avoid people that were different from him or what people would think of him if they saw him interacting with these people. Jesus continued to show us what it looks like to love all people and to take people with us on that journey. To be the Imago day, we may have to choose to go through places with people that are different from us and to love in ways that might make us a little uncomfortable and even sometimes risk our reputation for us to represent the fullness of God and who he created us to be. When I first moved here to Wisconsin, I had this moment where I was playing a game with people. And I don't know if you've ever had this moment where you sit down and someone's like, hey, do you wanna play this game? And you're like, yeah, I know that game. And it, it was a card game. And then they start explaining the rules. And I was like, oh, that's not the game that I know. Like that's that's not it. It was like same name, same concepts, but some of the rules were different, right? Cause we all know like you got the house rules. Like all these families have kind of added rules through the years and, and all of this stuff. And, and the, the rule follower in me is like so tempted to be like, you're wrong, I'm right, my rules are correct, like yours are wrong. But the reality is like, it wasn't a matter of like right or wrong rules to the game, it was just different. It was a made up card game. And it, that was supposed to be fun. It wasn't right or wrong, it was different. But how many of us do we show up to church like this? Where we walk in, whether we know it or not, and we have an idea of what's right and what's wrong of how to worship, of how to give, of how to love our neighbors. And can I encourage you today that maybe it's not right or wrong, but different. And maybe those differences are the beautiful way that God intended us to live and to worship together as a reflection of Imago Day. And I say that as your pastor for a moment to say too, my hope is that we don't ever get to a point where we all worship the exact same way. Because I don't think we're supposed to. I think that the way that God made you, the way that he speaks to you, the way that he wants to engage with you is different and needed in this space. You know, Paul talks about later in his letters where he talks about one body, but many parts. We're not all supposed to be the same. We get to reflect the heart of God in unique individual ways as the Imago Dei. So when we show up to worship and when we show up to gather, when we show up to love our neighbor, let us not be looking at each other to say what's right and what's wrong, but rather how is that person reflecting the image of God? How is that person representing the unique DNA in Christ Jesus? And what can I learn about God through them? What binds us together is the love, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What puts this love on display to the world is us choosing to actively let peace rule. It is us as the church displaying the Imago Day in the way that we love, we forgive one another, we bear with one another, we let go of offenses with one another, we continue to repent and respond and completely change and reconcile with one another. So can I urge you, New Culture Church? Can we be a church that creates the culture of Christ in the way that we reflect and we celebrate who God uniquely made us to be? We celebrate our differences, yet our oneness in Christ. Can I urge us that to continue to live and walk in putting to death our greed, our evil desires, which have led to even in our nation, in our country, so much sin of racism and power and oppression because of greed and because of evil desires. But can we respond with a passionate, active pursuit of reconciliation within the church and reconciliation of all People living as one body, but many parts, letting Christ rule. And this takes work, but it's worth it. The Imago Day cannot take place if we all are the same. It requires us to be who God created us to be. And so I wanna invite you to stand today and we're just gonna close in just a moment of prayer. And I wanna just invite you for the next moment to just close your eyes across this place want us to just walk us through this process of reflection and repentance and reconciliation and to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak because the reality is like we cannot be the unified body of Christ that represents the image of God in the way that we live and love one another without the power and the cross of Jesus Christ his death and resurrection and his Holy Spirit we need Jesus in order to do this It is not easy for us to let go of offenses and to forgive. It is not easy for us to acknowledge the sin in our life and the pain that we cause people and the things that we do. There's pride that overtakes us. There's all sorts of things that take place. We need Jesus. So I wanna just to invite you to take a minute and to start to reflect and to just ask the Holy Spirit to show you what do I bring to the table? Who has God uniquely created me to be? How do I bear God's image? Holy Spirit, would you show us? Would you show us who you've made us to be, the beauty in who you've created us to be? Would you show us the ways that you've formed us into your image that we get to represent you? The next is to just take a moment and just repent together to ask the Holy Spirit to show us, is there any way that I have need to turn back to you? Is there any way that I have caused offense and I need to ask forgiveness? Is there any bitterness stored up in me that I've been offended and I need to seek forgiveness? Holy Spirit, would you show us how we need to turn back to you, who you have formed us to be. And finally is to reconcile. God, would you come and would you show us through your Holy Spirit right now And I just encourage you would you ask God, would you say, God, would you show me any way that I need to change or actively pursue reconciliation? God, would you show me what it looks like for me to keep reconciliation and keep you at the center so that together we can bear your image? God, we thank you for the ways that you have uniquely formed us in the palm of your hands. God, I thank you that there's no mistake. And so I pray that you would continue to help us as we move throughout this week and even in our times of communities and discussions and prayer together to be, continue to reflect on who you made us, what that represents to continue to think as we open up scripture and read the Bible, what lenses do we bring to the table? And would you continue to help us to put to death, anything that is not of you and to put on kindness, compassion, and let your love bind us together so that we can go and we can reconcile all people into relationship with you, that we can be your Imago day and display the beauty and the glory of who you created us to be together as your church, fully surrendered as the child of God that you created us to be. So we thank you, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen.